0: Today on episode number 561 of the School of Podcasting, we've got podcasting back in a mainstream outlet, and we're talking with Natalie from bizchicks.com three years ago. She was an attendee at Social Media Marketing World. She started a podcast in one direction and expected certain things to happen, and guess what? They didn't. She almost quit multiple times. What did she do to turn things around? What did she do so that this year when she attended Social Media Marketing World, that's right, she was a moderator of a panel. Hit it, ladies. The School of Podcasting. With Dave Jackson. Podcasting since 2005. I am your personal podcast coach, Dave Jackson. Thanking you so much for tuning in. If you are new to the show, welcome aboard. What we do here is I bring my 20 plus years of helping people understand technology. I help you massage your message, I help you tackle the technology, face your fears, flatten that learning curve, and get you not just on the road to podcasting, but podcasting right. Podcasting in a way that you become a person of influence. Our website is schoolofpodcasting.com. Go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash start, use the coupon code LISTENER, and that will save you on either your first course or your first membership. Well, I've been talking in the past about how podcasting is getting more and more and more and even more mainstream and today I got an email from Kane Door and he said that uh check this out. I I this is what I love about my audience cuz I never would have known about this. In the newly released animated film Teen Titans The Judas Contract which is uh produced by Warner Brothers, Kevin Smith is in the movie as himself interviewing a member of the team I'm assuming that would be one of the Teen Titans on his podcast and it's good and of course uh, Kevin is known as a fanboy so he has great questions and brings some levity to the end of the movie after the big final battle scene and uh, here's a quick clip of that so let me ask you this man how do you become a Titan exactly I mean is there an audition do you look at videos because I've been working out you know I want in well, Kev, I guess the most important thing to being a Titan is to have a strong sense of family. Some of us don't have our own, so we support the ones that do. Thank you, Kane, for sending that in. You can find him at adventurefrequency.wordpress.com. And the old Titan there was talking about family. And wait till you hear the adorable way that my guest, Natalie Ekdahl, uses her children to kick off the show, and I actually really, this is a great example, in my opinion, of a great podcast introduction, and let's just, I'm going to let you listen to it, and then we'll dissect it on the other side. I'm so glad you by A-Weber. She's busy juggling her own internet business. A tween.
1: Whatever. A toddler, an infant
0: a labradoodle and her husband what's for dinner sweetie in her spare time she talks to successful female entrepreneurs and a few cool dudes about their journey and how they make it all work welcome to the biz chicks podcast
1: with your host entrepreneur mba and mom
0: natalie ekdahl
1: hey biz chicks and i'm also going to give a shout out to the cool dudes listening in today since i know some of you want to check out these takeaways from social media marketing world
0: Oh, I love that, because in basically 45 seconds, you know she's running an internet business, she's an MBA, she's a mom, she's talking to successful female entrepreneurs and some cool dudes, and the sound effects, the obviously the professional intro, if I had to guess, that smells of uh, music radio creative, and uh I just love the fact it was like, bam, and then she gets right into it and says, you guys want to hear about the takeaways from social media marketing world, which is what the episode was about, so If somebody says, what does a great intro sound like? And you don't need, I mean, Mike would love to hear me say, you don't need music radio creative. If you just said those things yourself, that'd be fine. I love music radio creative. And I think a great professionally done intro does set you up to sound like a pro. But to me, I love that. And so the cool thing about Natalie is, and why she's on the show, is I listened to her show and she was saying how she had, been doing it for three years. And she in her in her own episode explained some things that just didn't work. And I was like, ooh, I want to dive a little deeper into that. So she does have some things coming up. She is like the she's like the queen, I guess, of masterminds. In fact, if you if you've ever thought of starting your own mastermind, she has some really great insights and episodes on that. But if you want to sign up for one of her masterminds, She's. Uh, they start in May, so you would want to go over to BizChicks, and again, you'll hear this a lot: B I Z C H I X dot com, and you can click on the uh, work with me. And uh, she's also going to have a live event in October. And why I brought her on is here's somebody who three years ago kind of had an idea where she was going, and now she's landed someplace completely different from where she thought she was, and at sometimes was really ready to quit. So with that I want to welcome Natalie Ekdahl to the program.
1: Thanks Dave, it's so fun. I I haven't seen you in a while. I think since Podcast Movement when we were drinking margaritas.
0: Yeah, and uh, we shared an Uber. I think it was at a Podfest or Podcast Movement. I forget which one. Both.
1: Both, both. yeah. Yeah.
0: So you're my Uber buddy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, let's go back to the very beginning. What what inspired you to start a podcast?
1: Well, I was an entrepreneur um, at, at that time and looking for content to listen to. And I found, um, actually found podcasts through Dave Ramsey, which I think is such an interesting uh, way to find them. But he started getting onto like I Heart radio. And then he said, you could go to iTunes and listen to him. And then that opened up a whole new world for me. And I must have searched for entrepreneur. And can you guess which podcast came up at that hmm, time?
0: Maybe a little guy called John Lee Dumas, I would think. <laughs> yes. There you go.
1: So I started listening to Entrepreneur on Fire and uh, loved hearing you know, about other entrepreneurs' stories and... Through John, I discovered many other podcasters because he was also interviewing other podcasters. So through him, I, I started listening to Amy Porterfield, Pat Flynn, Michael Stelzner, and uh, Chris Ducker. And probably and basically any podcaster he had on his show, I started listening to them as well. I really love the entrepreneurial story. But at the time, John was primarily interviewing men. So if you looked at his guest list, it was about, I don't know, 80 to 90% men and 20% women or so. and. When he would talk to women they weren't he wasn't asking the questions I wanted answered, and so for some reason i'm still I still don't quite know how I had the gumption to start my own podcast, but I decided that I would love to interview women entrepreneurs, and I thought which is really funny to me at the time I was telling some friends this recently, I really thought I was going to, by interviewing enough women, solve my own issue of work life balance. Like how to, you know, I just said I didn't, I needed to just talk to enough women and then I would figure out work life balance. But what I figured, <laughs> what I've learned is that there's no perfect answer to that. And so, uh, but yeah, that was my inspiration, was was listening to John's podcast. And then he was launching this little course called Podcasters Paradise. And he said anyone could podcast. And I was fascinated by that. So I was one of his founding members. So I signed up with his um with Podcasters Paradise when he only had like a one like a landing page, just one page on the internet. And I was like, Okay, I'll I'll give this guy a try. And so that's how I learned a podcast.
0: Now, do you have any kind of broadcast audio kind of background?
1: No, I I grew up listening to talk radio. My, My parents don't really listen to a lot of music. So we listened to AM talk radio in the car. And I always imagined that it would be really exciting to be a broadcaster and to have a radio show like a talk show but it just seemed like it was a type of career where you didn't have a lot of control over where you lived what your schedule was and also the financially it wasn't as lucrative as what I was looking
0: for no not not at all (laughs) do you remember what you what your gear was when you first started out
1: oh my goodness a Logitech headset nice and my husband was doing my editing and he gosh with Very quickly upgraded us to a high LPR 40 because he was having to do, he's like, I'm like, why are we spending so much money on, on all this equipment? Like, I'm not even sure how this is going to go. And he said, because it's going to save me hours of editing.
0: (laughs) Well, how did you feel the first time you went to talk into the microphone?
1: I will never forget that moment. I thought I was going to throw up. Okay. I I, I was in my master bedroom closet uh, because that's where I I recorded my first uh, episodes because if... You know, there's lots of podcasters that record in closets because you can get good acoustics and with the Logitech, you needed a really quiet space because it picks up everything. And I had met uh, the my first interviewee at New Media Expo and I met Jen Page, who's a filmmaker. And I remember being terrified about hitting record and I was so nervous. And the only reason I did it was because I had an appointment with someone <laughs> and I didn't want to let her down. It was really terrifying. But then I loved it at the same time.
0: Yeah, it's kind of exciting. Once you once the red light goes on and you, you realize you don't explode, you're, you're OK with that. Now, what was your schedule when you first started? What were your was you doing weekly or biweekly or what was the schedule?
1: Well, my mentor, John Lee Dumas, had seven days a week and I figured, well, if he can do seven days a week and he's a single guy, I'm a mom with two kids, I had two children at the time. And then right before I launched, I found out I was pregnant with number three. So I was like, well, if he can do seven days a week, I think I can do five. And so I started off with five uh, episodes a week and it was an insane schedule. I did that until I got to 75 episodes.
0: Holy cow. So you're you're pregnant and doing five shows a week, plus two kids and a husband and a dog, right? If I remember. And, a,
1: th- and another business.
0: And yes. another business. Other yeah. than that, other than that, you had tons of free time.
1: It was really insane. And uh, the positive is like people ask me if I would go back and do things differently sometimes. And I don't think I would because I got better at interviewing so quickly. So I was able to self-correct doing multiple interviews in a day and doing so many per week. I feel like I got better like in in terms of the time frame, you know, in a matter of months, I improved my interview skills and even my format. So it was a grueling schedule, though, and not uh, approachable for, for, for my lifestyle. And when I talked to some friends that were listening at that point, I really didn't have a lot of connection with my audience. Uh, I remember talking to one of my girlfriends and she's like, yeah, I, I can't keep up with all these, these episodes. Like, I, I like them, but I'm having to like skip around because I can't keep up with them. So I, I learned that I was also doing more episodes that maybe my audience could keep up with.
0: And you say you improved your interview skills. What do you think you were doing better that you weren't when you first started out?
1: At first, I was so nervous that I had to write a lot of my questions down. And later, I learned to be more conversational and to ask the questions that I was wondering about or that I thought the audience might be wondering about and to You know, dig in a little deeper and clarify things. And to, I just, I feel like I just got more comfortable behind the mic and the whole process and settled into it a little bit. And it just became more of a flow. And uh, yeah, so it was helpful to do a lot at once and then to just kind of find my own way instead of, you know, I, John's show was great for learning and he tends to ask the same questions of every interviewee. And that didn't really fit with my style. So I was able to figure out my own style and my own approach.
0: And, When you first started out, did you have any kind of expectations? (laughs) Yes, I
1: thought I would be able to replicate, you know, John's success. John had enormous success in terms of growing his audience very quickly and started getting sponsorship interest, you know, within, I think, six months of starting his podcast. And my numbers just did not (laughs) grow at the pace that John's had. And, you know, it was it was frustrating because, you know, I, I thought if I build it, they will come the Mm. audience and then the sponsors. And that didn't happen. And there was a number of times that I thought about quitting because, you know, I was taking time away from my family, from my other business and from my TV. (laughs) So like that kind of went out the window. There was really not my entertainment in the evening was podcasting. Mm.
0: So why didn't you quit?
1: Because I loved it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The lovely, I hate to just sit so much work, but I can't stop because I love it. I love that. That's awesome.
1: I loved connecting with the people I was interviewing and later the audience. And I couldn't imagine not being a podcaster anymore. It became part of my identity. And I became very connected to the podcasting industry. You know, the industry, we have these Facebook groups where we talk podcasting nerdy stuff. And I became connected to this community of people that enjoy doing the same thing. And it really was something that I couldn't imagine stopping. So what I did instead of stopping is I changed every time I've thought about quitting. And there's been several times. I think about what it is that's not working for me and then I I change it. So I went from five episodes a week to three episodes a week to two episodes a week to my schedule now, which is one episode a week.
0: To do that Dave Jackson thing where I break into the interview, just pointing out uh, if you don't like your show, if it's too hard, if it's not doing what you wanted to do, you can change it just like Natalie did. Just wanted to point that out. She, she's like, look, this doesn't work. I got three kids, a dog, a husband. What'd she do? She changed her schedule.
1: And over time I've changed my format. I used to do strictly an interview based show. And now I, I kind of alternate. There's not a set, you know, rhyme or reason to it. It's, it's really what's working best for myself and my audience. But I occasionally interview now only subject matter experts that I think can benefit my audience. And I do my own business trainings on air and I do on air coaching calls.
0: So I know in, in your episode that you talked about, you wish you had started doing solo shows earlier. Why?
1: Well, interview shows are fantastic because they build your personal network. So I've done 200 interviews, at least of, of women entrepreneurs, Uh, or close to that. And so I have this network of women literally around the world that I could connect with. Like I can probably fly, fly into almost any city or state and find someone that I have interviewed or somehow met at this point through the podcast, but they really help build someone else's business, not your own. And I was hoping to build a business through this podcast. And as I looked at what I wanted to do, which was to work with women entrepreneurs, I needed to show my expertise. And while during an interview, you can chime in and share your knowledge, it's really about showcasing the person that you're interviewing. And so in order to show my expertise, I needed to do a solo show. And it was very it was really scary to to do that there. And still to this day, it's it's more difficult for me to do a solo episode than it is an interview.
0: Oh, I got to jump in again. I love that answer. So here again. If you want to build your network and get to know people in your niche, do an interview show. If you want to showcase your expertise, then do a solo show. And I know a lot of people say, if you have a guest, it'll help build your audience. Read Jared Easley's book, Quit Chasing Influencers. That strategy does not work. Back to Natalie. Is it just you're just not used to talking to the wall or...
1: Well, content creation is a struggle for me. I'm a recovering perfectionist. Uh, so <laughs> so uh, it takes me a while to get started because I know, I know what's going to go on and what's going to happen. It's going to take me longer. So I usually procrastinate and get things to the last minute and then uh, make things happen. And it comes out <laughs> great. It always comes out great. And it's always so much easier than I thought it was going to be. Uh, but if I allow myself too much time to work on it, I'm just going to fill. Like if I have eight hours, it's going to take me eight hours to... Yeah. Put an episode together.
0: So you changed your format. You changed your schedule. Did your audience hunt you down with pitchforks and, and torches?
1: No, my numbers went bonkers. So Really? Yeah, yeah one of the things that I noticed is that I was getting a little bored with the interviews. I kept having holistic health coaches pitch me to be on my show. Like you inter, I interviewed one and then I had more and more coming and business, other business coaches wanted to be on my show. And it was really, I feel like after I had done all the interviews I had, I completed that I really had heard most stories, Uh, you know, most, I mean, everybody's story is interesting, but there were very few new stories that were interesting to me. And I realized that if I'm bored with my show, then my audience is likely bored as well. And so I was a little bored with the whole thing. My audience has really liked it. And the thing that they love the most, though, are these on-air coaching calls, which I started doing last spring. They, I think they would be happy if I did them every episode.
0: Now, have you ever had anybody push back when you say, hey, I, I, we're going to do this coaching call? Oh, by the way, this is going to be public in, in, a, in a couple of weeks. Have you had anybody wet their <laughs> pants and say, what?
1: Well, it's, I set it up a little differently. They apply to be, uh, to be coached on air. Okay. And what was interesting is that I, I, I put in my audience, you know, it, would you like, if you'd like to do an on your coaching call, you can apply here. And you know what, the first time I did it, I was so nervous that no one was going to apply and I wasn't sure what I was going to do. And then what shocked me is that a number of people in my audience I'd never connected with or worked with before applied But what really shocked me was my clients, my current clients, my mastermind clients and my, my coaching clients applied to be coached on air. So I, I was like, okay, wow. I didn't think any of my current clients would want to be coached on air. So that's been really fun to showcase some of my clients, and uh, it's easier for me to coach someone on air when I know more about their background versus just you know fresh. Let's let's dig in and get started. But it's been it's been terrifying. I think the the way I felt at the very beginning when I first hit record in that master bedroom closet all alone is how I feel when I hit publish on an on air coaching call, especially the very first ones I did, because I was so concerned about. You know, I didn't know what people would think about them and what people might say about them. And if other coaches might chime in and have opinions about my style or my advice, and it's been pleasantly amazing. People give me the, they, they love them. They binge listen to them and other coaches. They tell me they listen to them and they enjoy hearing them and just comparing our different styles. And no one has sent me any mean notes or letters criticizing them. So it's been, it's been really great. And then a lot of people can't afford to work with a coach. And so for them, they say they're able to get, you know, some advice or, or imagine, you know, if I'm coaching them and, uh, and so I'm able to help more people than just the one person I'm coaching in the moment.
0: So she changed her format tried a new segment of coaching people online, was really thinking, especially other coaches, we're going to judge her. She was going to get all this negativity. And so many times we think we're going to have negativity just spewing on us and it just didn't happen. So keep that in mind that most people, if they don't like your stuff, just won't listen. You're not going to get this giant wave of negativity. When you first started out, how were you interacting with your audience? Were you getting any feedback via email? How was that going at the the beginning?
1: It took a while. It Mm. took a while. I can remember the first person that tweeted me. In fact, we're still connected on Twitter and we're connected now on Instagram. Like I'll never forget it. Like the first time someone tweeted my episode out, that was very exciting, but it didn't happen for months. So it was months of crickets. And the first, you know, few emails I got were very encouraging. And just for anyone listening that's, that's a fan of podcasts, if you like a podcast, let the host know because, uh, you know, like you said, we're sitting here alone behind a mic and we don't know what's happening out there. And so occasionally I would get something, you know, an email, maybe a tweet, maybe a comment on the show notes, but they were very rare And that first year I really came to, uh, you know, I, I, I had my baby, I started in January. I had my third child in September and it came to around November and I wasn't sure I had batched a bunch of interviews and they were running out and I had to decide if I was going to keep going or not.
0: Wow. I'm just sitting here trying to ponder a newborn plus your, what's the ages of your, of your children at that point?
1: My older son was two and a half. So two and a half, a newborn and my daughter, oh my goodness, she just turned 15. So she must've been 12.
0: Oh man. That's yeah. where do you store your cape when you're not a <laughs> superhero here? Thank uh, you. Well, um, when did you decide to start a Facebook group? How, how long into it when you went? Hmm, it maybe. was,
1: it was really that, that, that turning point. So I had been very active in the She Podcasts. Facebook group. I think when I joined it, it had about 300 members and now it has over 5,000 members. And that's how I got to know Jessica Kupferman and Elsie Escobar who run that group and podcast now. So they didn't have a podcast when they first started. And I was participating so much in their group and in the podcasters paradise group. And I realized, gosh, I really love this community that's happening here. And I've always in in what I do just locally, I love to create community. I love to get friends together and bring people from, you know, different parts of my life together. And I thought, well, I think I will try starting a Facebook group and I need to monetize this business. Clearly sponsorship isn't going to happen. So almost simultaneously, I started the Facebook group and I put out there that I was going to start my first mastermind paid mastermind.
0: Yes. What kind of launch plan did you have for that?
1: <laughs> there was no launch plan. Ah,
0: well, maybe that explains <laughs> some of this thing because you, you didn't do the, uh, what's the guy's name? Jeff. Um, Oh, the pro- oh,
1: Jeff Walker. I yeah, didn't do the Jeff Walker formula. thing. And the- no, no. So my first attempt was when I was like, I don't know, a month from giving birth, maybe six weeks from giving birth. So this was in like July of 2014. And I decided I needed to start monetizing. My baby was coming and I needed to get some things going before he came. And so I, on my podcast and in my, to my email, my very small podcast listenership and my very small email list, I shared that I was starting a accountability group and it would be a Facebook group and we would have touch points in the group. And I don't remember what I charged, but nobody signed up, not one person Not even my mom,
0: Dave. Okay, I got to jump in here because we're kind of laughing as she told the story. I want you to stop and think about this. You're not sure if you should do it. You've got that a little bit of that whole imposter syndrome, but you decide to tell everyone you're going to start a mastermind group and then nobody signs up. How would that make you feel? Holy cow. Well, listen to how she handles this. I thought it was awesome.
1: So what I actually did because I wanted to get some experience mm-hmm. is I invited some people that had been interacting with me to join for free. So I had six to eight people mm. that came into that group and we were together for about a month. But it, there was no, I didn't have any calls. We we were just in a Facebook group together and it kind of fizzled out. So plus I was about to give birth. Yeah, that's so, <laughs> You do some crazy things when you're pregnant. <laughs> if you've ever been around pregnant women, at the very end of your pregnancy, you're even a little crazy, extra crazy, and the hormones are raging and I it, it's I'm sure people were like, "Well, Natalie, I might like to work with you, but not when you're about to have a baby. Like this does not make <laughs> sense." So, one thing that's interesting and I like to say we all have like this spotlight syndrome on us where we think that the world is watching everything that we're doing. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, no one but me and the people that were in there for free, eight people, nine of us know that people didn't sign up to pay, that it ended up being a small free group. As far as everybody else knows, I have a master, I started my first mastermind then. So I think it's great. I love trying new things. I love launching things and they're not always successful and I, it doesn't stop me. I just, I just learn something from that moment, from that experience. And then I iterate and try something new and I don't let it, I don't let it take me down or at least I don't let it take me down for too long.
0: So, what did you learn from that experience?
1: Well, I learned that timing is important not only in your personal life but in your um, audience's life so it 's the end of summer. Who wants to like start a new group in august <laughs> that 's just weird <laughs> so uh, and also it wasn 't a good timing for me personally, and I needed to give myself more leadway to it, you know more of a runway before launching yeah. and I think it 's always great when you 're going to launch something to kind of know some people in advance that are probably going to sign up to you know, when I'm working with clients and they're wanting to launch something, I'll say, Well, can you kind of think in your mind like three or four people that would want to do this that you could call them and they'd say yes? And I didn't have that kind of connection with people at that time to do that.
0: Now that you're starting to interact with your audience, what is something your audience has said to you that maybe impacted you the most?
1: If this was the only thing that ever happened, these three years of podcasting were worth it. I had uh, a woman. Sign up to work with me in a strategy session, and which I do. It's like a one-time 60-minute uh, coaching session. And she told me that she had listened to me in the hospital while her infant daughter was recovering from heart surgery. And she said, I couldn't listen to music because I couldn't handle the emotions of it. And I couldn't watch TV because sometimes the topics were hitting too close to home or and or people would be it be comedy, and people were laugh, laughing. And so I found podcasts and I found your show, and you kept me company in the hospital while I watched over my daughter, who was like four months old, recovering from surgery. Wow. and I just <laughs> I was blown away and I just never imagined that I could impact someone in that way. And just like, it's like almost like holding someone's hand, you know? So, I mean, honestly, Dave, I really feel like if I never made a dime from working with my audience, if no one ever listened, but this one, this one woman, all of this time and energy was
0: worth it. Yeah. That's powerful stuff. Holy cow. When you started your podcast, how did you think you thought, it sounds like you thought you're going to do the sponsorship thing. How have you decided to monetize it? It sounds like you have a couple different irons in the fire.
1: I realized I needed to do something that I had a little more control of. You know, I couldn't control sponsors coming on board. And I love consulting people and helping them with their businesses. And I love talking to people about business. And I have, you know, as you shared at the beginning, a deep business background. And so I decided to try again <laughs> this whole mastermind concept and try it a little differently and work with my audience. So offer my services uh, in a group format and one-on-one format.
0: Nice. And is it something where you have a group of people sign up and then sometimes they want one-on-one or do do they kind of bounce back and forth or?
1: So at this point I've, I've evolved to, uh, you know, it's, it's been an evolution. I've tried lots of different things. And so the streams of revenue I have going on in my business right now are one-on-one coaching strategy sessions, which are a one-time coaching session And then I have masterminds, which are for eight women at a time. And I have a VIP membership site. And that's with women that have worked with me in the past in some in some capacity. So I know about them and their business and they're monetizing their business. So they're not brand new. They are bringing in an income into their business. And so they're networking and connecting in that group.
0: Where did those ideas come from?
1: No, I, I love the concept of a membership site and it really fits with my personality of wanting to bring my friends together. So my clients, I, I'm wanting to have a space to help them connect with each other and to network with each other. And so it's become really fantastic to have this small, you know, VIP community. I I I've studied membership sites for a while and I I looked at different options for, for that particular stream of revenue and I didn't want to grow something really big like I didn't want thousands of members and so I'm limiting it to 150 and I came up with that number it's called the Dunbar number it's basically the capacity we have in our brain brain for social connections so when they study tribes of people they tend to create a new tribe once they get to 150 people in large corporate spaces, they tend to like create a new space or a new head of a division at about 150 people. So I thought, Oh, well that that's a great number. And that makes a lot of sense to me. So I'm keeping it to 150 people so we can keep our social connections, you know, and know who everybody is. So I try to do it a little differently. I love to look at what other people are doing and pull things from my background and my experience and put a little Natalie spin on it.
0: Well, the interesting thing is you, you said you started off thinking you're going to get into some sort of advertising. And I always tell people, uh, if you take the John Lee Dumas approach, he did a daily show for six months before he got a sponsor. If you do a weekly show that ends up being about three and a half years of content. Mm -hmm. So here you are three years later, how did you get your sponsor with a Weber?
1: So when John started, he had like almost no competition, right? So he, there if you go back to when he started, there were very few podcasts and there was no daily podcast. So he was, what he did was brand new and, and interesting and got impressed and got him a lot of interest from people that, that he interviewed. And I was, I learned about this at a conference recently, this book called Blue Ocean Strategy. Have you heard of it, Dave?
0: I've heard the phrase. I've not really dug too deep into it.
1: Yeah. So it, it really like, sometimes I hear other people explain things better than I can. Some things I know intuitively, but then people write these amazing books and they help me like have a, have a phrase or a way to to describe it. So the blue ocean is what we're all looking for, which is a non-competitive space in order to like thrive and grow our business or a podcast or whatever it is. And it's kind of what we talk about now about niching down. So really the entrepreneurial space is now a red ocean, which means um, there's sharks in the water and there's blood being spent and there's a lot of competition. So I really think the entrepreneurial podcasting space is a red ocean at this point and no one can replicate what john did. I haven't actually seen anybody completely replicate his success to the level that he's had it. And uh you know and I've been watching this space for 4 years now. So when we can't just take strategies other people were doing when it's a different time and space. Like we're in a red ocean now. So anyone that's thinking of launching or finding that their podcast right now is not growing as quickly as they'd like it to, it's probably better to niche down and find your own special way, special spin on things, special way of doing things, because you're probably in a, a red ocean and need to shift things to get to some kind of a blue ocean where there's less competition.
0: Absolutely. And don't name your show, you know, kite flying on fire. That's, <laughs> no. <laughs> that's not going to be.
1: <laughs> no, nothing, nothing on fire. <laughs> yes. No,
0: no more on fire. We're so retiring that. Yeah.
1: Yes. Oh, but but finding my sponsor. So I actually I was intentional going to podcast movement this summer about talking to sponsors there because I really wanted to have a sponsor for my show. And I saw that A Weber was going in advance of the conference. And I tweeted them that I was looking forward to seeing them there. And then I was able to stop by their booth and, well, this was all on purpose, and say hi. And they immediately asked. I said, hey, I, I'm Natalie. I'm a customer, and I, I tweeted you guys, and I just wanted to come and say hi. And uh, Tom Tate, who uh, runs their podcast, he was there with a whole mic setup. Well, they were kind of across from the Libson booth, right? So you probably saw them. Mm-hmm. And they were inviting people to... Interview on air. And he's like, Oh, great. You want to come do an interview? And I was like, Oh, when do you want to do it? And they're like, right now. And I'm not a very spontaneous person, Dave. I'm kind of a planner. And but at conferences, I try to be spontaneous and say yes to things that I wouldn't normally say yes to. And so I was like, okay, let's do it. And it it went really well. It was a lot of fun. It was a video interview. And then afterwards I told them that, you know, I was looking, I was, do they ever sponsor podcasts and that I was interested in that? And Tom introduced me to their VP of marketing who was there at the event and I was able to speak to him and they were interested in following up. And then I spoke to them again one more time at the conference. I, I felt like it was a great match for my audience and I'm a user of their, their system and it would be very authentic to have them on my show. And yeah, we can, I don't know how much you want to dig into it, but no. we have, they've been my sponsor for the last six months. It's been That's, fantastic.
0: Well, and that works perfect. Cause I always tell people when you can, promote a product that you use and like, it makes it a whole lot easier than going, I think this is going to be cool if you try it, but you know, it's, it's a little more authentic that way. So yeah, cool. I,
1: I really, I actually just saw Jared easily. I was at social media marketing world and, mm-hmm. and I, I, I told him, I said, you know, this, thank you so much because I I w I don't think I would have the sponsorship if I didn't have the opportunity to speak to them in person because that personal connection then carried us through to the relationship that we have now. we were, and it, it doesn't happen fast. I think that's what people, you know, we're, most of us are solopreneurs, right? Or have small teams and we can make decisions really quickly. Like you can decide tomorrow to air this or not air it, or you can decide who's going to be next on your show and whether or not to say yes or no to a sponsor. But when you're dealing with a larger company like AWeber, You know, they have like a corporate headquarters slide in it and hundreds of people working there. You know, they don't make a decision in a week. This took months to discuss, negotiate. People go on vacation. People have to give approval. Contracts are signed. You know, lawyers are involved. It's, it's not a fast process. So we started the conversation in July and then, uh, I think their first episode was the very end of September, beginning of October.
0: Wow. Yeah. So a little patience will will be needed in some cases. Holy cow, neat. Uh, Well, you mentioned social media marketing world. Let's talk about that because what, three years ago you were probably in the audience, I'm going to guess.
1: Yeah, I was. I remember sitting in the audience thinking, wow, I wonder if someday I could be a speaker here. That would be really cool.
0: Fast forward three years and.
1: (laughs) And I was asked to speak and lead a panel uh, of, amazing podcasters. <laughs> I, am still amazed that, that it all happened. And I, and I actually, it's funny cause I actually manifested the ticket in, in my mind. This is what, I'll tell you how it happened. So I was wanting to go to the conference this year. I've, I've gone out of the last four years, including this year, I've gone three times. So I didn't go last in 2016, but I went the other three years. And so last fall I was thinking, gosh, I, I'd really love to go to this conference and they keep raising the prices, you know, to create scarcity. And I looked at the price and I said, nope, I'm not buying a ticket because they're going to give me a ticket. I'm going to speak there. And the next week I got an email from them saying, Natalie, would you be interested in leading a panel in the podcasting track? Amy Porterfield has already said yes. (laughs) So she's one of my favorite podcasters. I was like, well, let me think about that for a second. (laughs) So uh, Amy Porterfield was on the panel. I was on the panel and I actually had some input into the panel. I recommended um, Mike Morrison, who has Membership Guys podcast, because that helped me learn about membership sites, and I love that it's very niche, and Mike's in a blue ocean, (laughs) and uh, and then they... They got Shailene Johnson, who has Build Your Tribe and The Shailene Show, to do the closing keynote, and she agreed to be on the panel as well. So I just got back from leading that panel, and literally every podcaster, in the, like every big podcaster who was speaking there or at the conference was in that room. It was it was like the who's who of podcasting, At watching the panel. It was really great.
0: Now, did you think you were going to throw up again?
1: I didn't feel like I wanted to throw up beforehand, but I did a little bit afterwards after like it all sunk in. It was really, (laughs) it was really exciting. Uh, I'm glad I didn't think about who was going to be in the room. I was so focused on creating good content and, uh, and learning new things from these podcasters that I admire. So it was great.
0: Do you think the three years of podcasting equipped you to, to do that panel?
1: Oh, definitely. Definitely. And you know, it's not easy to interview other podcasters because we're used to being in control of the interview. So all three of them are fantastic interviewers. So if I wasn't at the top of my game, any one of them could have taken over the panel and become the moderator. So, so it was great. I felt like we kept it conversational. The, the panel was about using your podcast as a marketing tool for your business. So all of us, our podcast is very important to our business. And, uh, and so it was, I felt like, everybody in the audience learned something or something new. So it was a lot of fun.
0: Now I can't uh, let you get out of here before we start talking about how are you promoting your podcast? How are you, what, any strategies of growing your audience?
1: So one of the things that I'm doing is I create a custom image for every, uh, every episode and I use that on social media and I found that's been very helpful. I didn't do that initially. And also I've been doing, playing around with some Facebook ads just to create awareness and just to create new listeners. So I love when people just find my show, that's the top of my, you know, business funnel. People find me and like me. And really at this point, 95 to hundred percent of my clients are listeners. So I really prefer to work with people that have listened to me and already decided they've liked me because they just sign up to work with me and I don't have to sell myself. I don't like having to sell myself. Uh, So those are kind of like the main things. Being on other shows is great. Uh, I don't have as much time as I'd like to, but I really found that just being a speaker and out there more out at conferences has impacted my numbers as well.
0: When I think back to radio, when I was growing up, there were always these big, you know, wars against each other and things like that. And I know you've done things with Katie Kremitzos from um, Mm -hmm. uh, Biz Women Rock and Jessica, right? From She Podcast. These these are all people that are kind of going after your same demographic of women entrepreneurs. Have you found that to be beneficial as well?
1: Definitely. I, I actually sponsored She Podcasts because I, I don't always offer them, but occasionally I, I offer women in podcasting masterminds. So it's all women podcasters. They're, they're amazing and really fun. And I was wanting to do them for a few years and I wasn't able to get enough people. I would get like three people and then I couldn't fill the group. And so at, at PodFest 2015, where I think I met you for the first time, Is that, is that right? Yes. 2016. They all (laughs) blur together after a while. Last year, (laughs) last year, uh, Jessica Kupperman was there and she and I've been friends for a while and I was telling her, you know, I'm thinking about maybe I should sponsor she podcasts. And so I sponsored her show and it included a link into their group. So, uh, going to my mastermind. So, that was great. And that helped me fill two groups from that one sponsorship. So I think as podcasters, if we have businesses, we should consider sponsoring other podcasts that are in the niche we're targeting. So that's been another way that I, I knew that I would get listeners from that, that sponsorship, but also clients as well. And, and I did, I got one-on-one coaching clients, mastermind clients, and new listeners.
0: Well, for the person that's Now thinking where you are three years ago that maybe I should start a podcast, maybe somebody isn't saying the things and asking the questions that I wish they would ask, what would you say to that person? Mm -hmm.
1: I would test out your niche concept in a Facebook group. That's where I would start if you don't already have an audience, you know, I didn't start with an audience. I didn't have a big blog following like some people that just seem to have come out of nowhere. A lot of times they already have an audience that they're tapping into and bringing over into their podcast. So I didn't have that. So if I was starting out right now, I would actually try to build some form of a community before I launched my podcast. And because Facebook Live is so big right now, if I would make myself be comfortable on video, even if I wasn't. And I would build a connection with that group as kind of the leader of the group and bring them into the podcast and, you know, show them my show art and get their opinions. And even if it was only like, you know, 50 or a hundred people, it's still better than zero. And to have some people to interact with and build community around and build a podcast with would be really exciting. My Facebook group has, is the reason why I have continued to podcast. I podcast for the women in my Facebook group and they're very connected to my show. And sometimes I take conversations that are happening in my Facebook group and create an episode out of them. Uh, I've had people call in and give feedback, or I've done a few episodes that are like online tools and my audience will call, I'll ask people to call in and, uh, they'll give their, their feedback. So having uh, a place like that, whether it's for me, Facebook, a Facebook group's the best place, but for other people, it might be a LinkedIn group or a Slack group, uh, having a, a place where you have community to me is, is why I podcast. I podcast for my community.
0: Nice and uh there're probably women even men right now going you you have to ask her this question uh you've got three kids a, a husband a, a dog and a bunch of businesses uh, apparently all over the place how is there such a thing as is uh work life balance
1: no there is not dave <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Good so, thing that my question good thing that my podcast didn't end once I answer that question, right? Because then <laughs> I'd be done. The answer is Natalie, there is no work-life balance. What I have learned is that there are periods of, you know, where I'm more balanced towards family. Like my, my time is more family focused. My time is more business focused. Like tonight, I'm actually going to stay here till I'm, I'm at my office. I'm going to work till eight o'clock and my husband's going to, my husband Mark is going to be on kid duty and and take care of all that. But I also had a break in the middle of the day. I picked up my daughter from high school and got her Starbucks and we hung out for a little bit. So I think it's, it's not work-life balance because you can't really balance it exactly. There's sometimes where podcasting, is taking more of my time or, uh, you know, I was just at a conference. So that was all work and, and almost no family. And, uh, and so, and sometimes it's, it's more family. So it, I feel like it all kind of balances out over time, but it's not all balanced day to day, if that makes sense.
0: And it's hard to put a two-year-old on a schedule when you're like, no, 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 it's not time to, th- No, your tantrum doesn't come for another hour and a half. So <laughs> you're early. No,
1: it <laughs> <no>, doesn't work. <laughs> nope. That doesn't work.
0: I need to talk to the gentleman for just a second, okay so I know okay. I know it's called bizchicks.com, dot com but uh, I found Natalie number one I met you at uh, at podcast movement and then I heard you on uh, mentioned on uh, she podcast and I'd already discovered she podcast and then I met Katie and i I gotta say gentlemen, I know that we we don't have the equipment to call ourselves females. there's some really good content so don't get turned off because oh it's a thing for women because i have learned i really really liked your uh, series on monetization and i'm i'm another fan of your your coaching calls so uh gentlemen uh i'm telling you go over to bizchicks.com and again that's b-i-z-c-h-i-x.com it's it's one of those now you're you're one of the podcasts when i see that come down the line it's like should i listen to this 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 oh look it's natalie good and you're right to the top of the list oh
1: dave that is the coolest thing. Thank you so much. So. And yeah. So I, I do podcasts. I talk to women. I used to initially try to talk to women and men, but now I just talk to women, but I love that men are listening. And I, I was able to meet a few guys at the conference. I said they listen, which is so fun. A couple other tips I wanted to share because we're, we can be nerdy podcasters here. here sure. is, uh, for my on-air coaching calls, because I was hearing people kept e- emailing me and telling me, I love your on-air coaching calls. i binge listen to them. I made it easy for them. And I, if you, if you go through my feed, you'll see in brackets, I have on air coaching call in brackets so people can easily find them. And I've been sharing that on the podcast so they can do that. And then I've also created landing pages for um, when I podcast according to a topic, so I've done a, um, I've done some series of topics. So I will recently did one called biz monetize before that I did the small business reality series. I did a product ter- productivity series before that and a mastermind series before that. And so if you go to my bizchicks.com, you can click on a button and even the honor coaching calls have their own landing page as well. So people can go and binge listen to that topic because that's what I find the audience tends to like to do. Like if they hear an episode and they like that topic, they want to hear more on that topic. So that's been a fun little thing to do as
0: well. Yeah, the the mastermind one I listened to after I had started a mastermind and then I kind of like yours, it just kind of fizzled out. And as I was listening to it, I was like, oh, mm -hmm. man, oh, I should have listened to this beforehand. Oh, yep, that works. And you just explained every problem I had. And I was like, (laughs) very good stuff. Uh, So, yeah, if you're interested in a a strategy session or if you want to apply to be in our mastermind or apply for some coaching, uh, check out Natalie over at bizchicks.com. So, Natalie, thanks for coming on the show.
1: Thanks, Dave. This was a highlight of 2017. Thank you so much.
0: Well, there you go. And there you go. Yeah, I think it was on her show. They did a round table it was her, Jessica Kufferman, and Elsie uh, Escobar from She Podcast, Jessica Rhodes, and Katie from Biz Women Rock, biz is B-I-Z, bizwomenrock.com, and they were all talking about being female entrepreneurs, and then they had a conversation about doing the old in-out, in-out, post-baby, and I felt like you always wonder, gentlemen, like what women talk about in the bathroom when they go in there for so long. I think that's what they were talking about. And I was like, oh, my. I felt like I just discovered this pot of gold of information that I really wasn't supposed to know. It was really, really an interesting conversation and a a peek inside the female psyche. So as much as their shows, I don't feel are really that female specific. I think their information is just as good for all genres, genders or whatever word you want to use. Uh, I do listen to most of those shows. Uh, they're good stuff. So thank you very much, Natalie. And uh, yeah, I mean, she's got 20 years in helping, you know, in business. She was voted the one of the top business podcasts in 2014. So thank you so much for coming on the show. One last thing about Natalie. I want to play number one because it's just adorable. I want to play the end of her show. And you'll hear where, again, it's a single call to action but this is an adorable advertisement. I would, if, if you do ads like this every week, I'm like, less of you, more ads. Give me more ads. Check this out.
1: And here are my sons, Tahoe and Jet, with a little more encouragement on that matter. Hi, Big Sticks. Hi, This
0: is us, Tahoe
1: and Jet. <laughs> Can you say, you should mastermind with my mama? Ma-
0: Master- you should mastermind my- with my mama. Mama.
1: <laughs> Say go to bizchicks.com up. Go to BigChicks.com. bizchicks BigChicks.com no, not... <laughs> <What's that? laughs> not Big Chicks. Buddy, look at mama. Biz. Biz Biz Chicks. BizChicks.com.
0: Bigchicks.com. Join a mastermind. Join a mastermind. Join a mastermind. That's my mama. You have been listening to the Biz Chicks Podcast. Don't be a stranger and connect with Natalie and her guests today at bizchicks.com. That's B-I-Z-C-H-I-X.com. As we start to wrap things up, I want to remind you, if you haven't bought your podcast movement ticket yet, I will be speaking there in Anaheim. This is out in August. Find it at podcastmovement.com. Use the coupon code SOP10. That will save you 10% off your ticket. So that's one thing. If you want to go, it really is a great time. I'm looking forward. I mentioned you heard Jared Easley's name twice here. Get to hang out with Dan Franks and basically everybody else. For me, it's like summer camp. I get to see all my friends again. And also... You know, you heard if, if one of the things that has been holding you back starting a podcast was, well, I'm not sure where I want to go. This is why I want to have Natalie on. Did you hear how many times she thought she was going to quit? Then she started a Facebook group. Then she thought she was going to quit, was kind of getting boring. So she started doing on-air coaching calls. And then she started this. And then it you just make it up as you go along. You don't have to be a master. She was worried what people are going to think, where coaches going to judge the way she coached. You just do it. And so here she was. She thought she was going to follow in the footsteps of back you know, know, three years ago. Everybody was like, oh, okay, I'll do an interview show, interview entrepreneurs. I'll get sponsorships. And it just wasn't that easy. So what did she do? She played to her strengths. Well, I like working with people. I like building communities. I like working with women. And so what did she do? She basically started doing that. She does the thing she loves. She's getting paid for it and i think it's awesome so i really loved her story and wanted to bring her on to say see it's not a statue you can change it and eventually you come across something that seems to work and and by doing those first groups think about that first group that kind of fizzled out she learned from that in terms of okay how can i do this better in the future and then that group led to more groups and she's kind of, to me i think she's like one of the the if somebody said give me an expert on masterminds i'd say right there go talk to natalie I know other people might say, you know, uh, Dan, the guy from uh, Forty Eight Days to the Work You Love, and he's he's definitely a, a man. But I'm like, in listening to Natalie's show, she's a mastermind expert in my book, along with marketing and her her background in business. So, at any rate, uh, speaking of business, if you'd like to start a podcast. I would really, really, really love to help you. Speaking of private Facebook groups, you could be part of the school of podcasting's private Facebook group. We got our own little community going on over there. Plus twice a month, we do live group coaching calls. We just had one last weekend, had a great old time. And, uh, you also get step by step tutorials, you know, and this is the thing that people don't get. I could spend a half hour telling you all the tutorials that are in the school of podcasting, but I mean, we have. Worksheets that help you plan your podcast. We have tutorials on how to buy your gear. We have tutorials on how to build your website. We have tutorials on how to plug that gear in. How to use Audacity. How to use Audition. How to use Hindenburg Journalist. It's really it's all there. And the beautiful thing is, if you start it and you go, "Nah, not for me." That's right. Thirty day money back guarantee. Check it out. Go to SchoolOfPodcasting dot com slash start and use the coupon code Listener. That's L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R. You will not find that coupon code place online in print. I only say that here because you took the time to listen to this podcast, and it's my way of saying thank you, and I really hope to see you on the inside. So thank you so much. In the future, I'm going to be interviewing Neil Galarte, who is the editor of the Messenger's documentary. and I want to get in the mind... Of an editor, because here's a guy that does editing 24 7, pretty much. And sitting next to him at the movie and seeing him put the movie together, I wanted some insights from Neil. We're going to talk about in that episode kind of shaping your content. I've actually been reading a couple books on how to do different styles of narration, different ways of building a story. So we're going to be talking a little bit about shaping your content in ways that can really make it just pop and really engage your audience. So see, I'm already engaging with my cat. He's loving it. I don't know if you guys can hear that. He's singing the, the his praises in here. So Bernie is alive and well. And uh, and I'm going to share one itty-bitty story here. If you're thinking about starting a podcast, take this attitude. What's the worst that could happen? And I'm going to share right now. My sister-in-law is a hopeless romantic and has been trying to set me up ever since I got divorced and so she gave me this woman's phone number. Uh, she seemed kind of cute. I saw her picture somewhere on Facebook or something like that. And I did not call her. I, was, I had imposter syndrome. Um, in the immortal words of uh, Bruce Springsteen, you end up like a dog that's been beat too much. <laughs> and uh, so I had the mindset kind of like, hey, what's the worst that could happen? And so I called her. Okay. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's, I called her. It was awkward and we're, we're getting there but you don't know unless you try. So take that attitude when it comes to podcasting. Maybe you've got something and you're just dying to talk about it and you want to tell the world about it and you want to engage other people and you want to find other people who think just like you and feel just like you. They're there. They're waiting for you to start your podcast. And if you're like, eh, I don't want to look stupid. Eh, I'm not sure what to do. Eh, you know what? What's the worst that could happen? You're out $80 on a microphone that you can sell on eBay. Really. So I really, really look forward to working with you at the School of Podcasting. Sign up today, schoolofpodcasting.com slash start, and uh, we'll see you next week. Until then, take care. God bless. Class is dismissed.